Locked On Giants, your daily New York Giants podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, New York Giant fans, and welcome to another edition of Locked On Giants, part of the Locked On Podcast family, your team every day. Patricia Trainer here with you, and happy June. We have made it into June, and that means that a few more weeks left of spring football, of On tap for this week, we're going to have another OTA practice on Friday that is open to the media. And then next week, a big week for the New York Giants and their spring calendar. They are going to have a three-day mandatory minicamp. So lots of football still coming up as we count down the time to training camp, which will happen the end of July. So that's coming up before we know it. On today's show, folks, we are going to do something a little different. We're going to do a version of Twitter Tuesday, but it's a little different in that I'm basically asking you guys the questions on Twitter and getting your feedback. And we're going to take your answers and discuss them on today's show. And um, I'm still accepting questions for Twitter Tuesdays, but uh, I'm going to try this new format out because I want to make sure that we separate the Twitter questions for the podcast versus the Twitter questions for Giants Country, which I notice are picking up. And I thank you for that, by the way. But I want to make sure that we kind of balance it out between uh, the podcast and Giants Country. And I appreciate everybody who also reads Giants Country in addition to listening to the podcast. So before we get into uh, t- into the Twitter topic for this for this week's Twitter Tuesday, uh, just a quick reminder from a national perspective, if you want to find out what's going on around the NFL, check out the Peacock and Williamson show available wherever you get your podcasts, including the Odyssey app. Check them out there daily. All right, folks. So for today's Twitter Tuesday, my question to everybody was which New York Giant player will be the breakout star of 2021? And uh, a few answers came in. And, you know, again, this is kind of a new format. So I'm glad to get the answers I got in. So let's kick them off with uh, the first one from Thomas Amato, at Thomas Amato on Twitter. And he mentions Matt Parrott as being one of the breakout stars. And I thought that was an interesting one to kind of kick off the show with. Because when you think of a breakout star, you don't necessarily think of an offensive lineman, or even to a degree, a defensive lineman, you think of more of a receiver or running back, a cornerback, you know, as a a pass rusher, the the quarterback, you know, any any other position but offensive line. And I like the the thinking here with Matt Parrott, because the Giants are putting their eggs in that basket, they need for Matt Parrott to step up and and produce, I mean, he is the guy they want to win that job. I don't get the impression that they that they want to go back to Nate Solder, who would be the backup plan if Matt Pear doesn't work out. All right, so let's talk a little bit about Matt Pear. We'll talk, you know, just recap what happened last year with him and where he has to go, I think, in order to fulfill that uh, breakout status, if you will. So last year, uh, Matt Pear, who I thought was raw, um, when I f- saw him in training camp, but he made progress. And the thing that really impressed me about Matt Parrott is that he never looked overwhelmed. The game just never looked too big for him. I think sometimes with rookies, no matter what position they play, 
they get in there and they have that deer in the headlights look. And Matt Parrott just didn't have that. Um, whether it was being asked to play at left tackle when Andrew Thomas was benched in that one week or, you know, going in at right tackle. Um, Matt Parrott always looked ready. And it was very impressive because, like I said, I thought he was raw. I thought his technique was, wasn't quite where it probably needed to be. And how much of that was because of the coaching carousel that they had at that, you know, at the offensive line coach that, you know, was certainly fair to wonder. But, um, so anyway, what happened with Paired as the season went on, he struggled and it, and it came out that he suffered, um, an ankle injury and he wasn't able to really anchor as well as he had earlier in the season. And, you know, he particularly struggled in week 16 against the Baltimore Ravens, who just absolutely, um, destroyed the poor kid in week 16. So much so that I found it interesting that in the following week, the regular season finale with the season pretty much on the line, Parrott didn't get a, a, a single snap on offensive line, if I recall correctly. So anyway, um, there was still enough to like from Matt Parrott in the snaps he did get. He, um, he had some things that obviously he needs to improve. Among them, he needs to um, improve his hand punch because there were many times when he just didn't get his hands into his opponent as quickly as he could have. And if you're not striking the opponent first as an offensive lineman, you're not going to win that battle, especially on the edge. So I just feel that, you know, Matt Parrott has talent. Um, he was very raw, some technique issues, you know, his footwork wasn't too bad, but, um, I think with the off season of coaching and there were some, uh, videos that came out actually of him working out with a trainer and he looked bigger. He looked bulkier. And I think these are all things that are going to put him into a position to really, you know, take that step forward and have him a legitimate fighting chance of winning the uh, starting right tackle job. And, and again, I want to see it happen. Um, no offense to Nate Solder, but pair just. You know, for a rookie last year, very mature, very um, focused. The game never seemed too big for him. I think if they straighten out some of the technique issues, some of the deficiencies in how he sets sets up in the pass-protect role, um, I think if he's healthy, that, yes, Thomas, you are going to see Matt Parrott take a big, big step forward. And he's someone I definitely want to keep an eye on during the uh, their summer training camp. All right, folks, um, as part of the Twitter Tuesday, I also want to incorporate uh, questions that I get specifically for the podcast. And I didn't get that many this week, but I do have one I want to fit in here for you. And uh, this question came via email and I didn't get a, a name for it, unfortunately. So I do apologize. I don't have the name of the person, but hopefully they know who they are when they hear it. And they asked me, who was my least favorite draft pick? Now, I'm not sure if you mean of this year's class, because if you mean of this year's class, I, I can't answer that because it's not fair. I haven't really seen these kids get on the field and really do their thing. That said, if you're talking about, you know, at any point, my least favorite draft picks, I would say I would probably have to go with those players that the Giants traded up for and who never panned out. And I'm thinking of um, Ryan Nassif, for example, was a guy that 
they traded up for, and he just never made it onto the field. Now, that's not his fault. You know, that was, you know, the former regime's fault for for deciding to trade up and and get him. And, you know, I, I just never understood that pick. To me, if you were going to 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 trade up for a pick, you want to get him on the field at some point. You know, I think I can also make a case for, you know, um, Kyle Lawletta, um, Davis Webb, you know, who I know I w- a few years ago I was very high on. But if you're not going to get these kids on the field, uh, to me, you want to get the draft picks that you pick from round one to round four on the field at some point. Maybe not necessarily right out of the chute, but at some point you want them on the field. And to, and I get it. Quarterbacks, you know, ideally you, you want to develop them a little bit before you put them out on the field. But I just never understood the point of be- drafting a backup for Eli Manning, especially in the third round or the fourth round. I mean, were they trying to do – you know, trying to be like Dallas and and luck out like Dallas did with Dak Prescott in the fourth round. I I don't know. I I never got that. And so I would say any pick that was you know a day one, day two, early day three pick that didn't get on the field, that would probably be my least favorite pick. Um, I can't give you one specific name, but you know that that would be my thinking. All right, Giant fans, we've got plenty more on this special edition of Twitter Tuesday, a new format that we're doing. But first, let me tell you, tell you a little bit about rockauto.com, a family-owned business serving auto part customers online for 20 years. rockauto.com offers an extensive selection of auto and body parts for dozens of auto manufacturers, makes, and models, all at competitive prices. Get what you need for your car or truck delivered straight to your door from rockautos.com's extensive and easily searchable catalog. And be sure to write down locked on in their how did you hear about us box so that they know we sent you. Rockauto.com, amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Rockauto.com. And Giant fans, before we continue with the Twitter Tuesday, the special edition of Twitter Tuesday, just a friendly reminder, check out BuiltBar.com. They have nine amazing flavors in the nut and nut-free variety. And when you go to BuiltBar.com and enter promo code LOCK15 at checkout, you can get 15% off your order. That's BuiltBar.com. And we are doing a special edition of Twitter Tuesday. My question to everybody on Twitter was, which giant player or players do you think will be the breakout star this year? And this next one actually is pretty good. I, I like this one because coming up on tomorrow's show, I have scheduled Brian Walker of the DB Academy. And he has trained um, Jabril Peppers and Darnay Holmes in the past. And he's going to be the guest on tomorrow's show. So speaking of uh, defensive backs, the real JDJ in his response to me as to which players he wants to see break out. Now, he chose uh, two players, but I'm going to talk about one since we're talking about defensive backs, and that would be Xavier McKinney, the safety. And this is another one I absolutely agree with. I mean, last year, I got to admit, my heart sunk when Xavier McKinney suffered the broken foot in training camp, 
And I really honestly did not think Xavier McKinney would make it back onto the field. Um, but, you know, with injuries, timing is everything, folks. And I don't want to say fortunately because that sounds kind of bad, but luckily for McKinney, the injury happened early enough to where he had plenty of time to rehab it, you know, get the surgery that he needed, get the treatment and everything, and just get himself back into playing shape and on the field. And I really like how Xavier McKinney stuck around the Giants facility last year. You know, sometimes guys, when they go on injured reserve, they don't hang around the facility. I don't know necessarily if that's a a rule that Joe Judge changed or if he leaves it up to the players. I'm not sure exactly how that works. But as I know as in the past, some guys have gone home and rehabbed at home. Some guys have stuck around and just, you know, done what they could, what's, what's permitted within the rules, which I believe, you know, in the case of injured reserve, guys can hang around. They can uh, participate in the meetings. They just can't do anything on the field because obviously they're on injured reserve, so they can't do anything on, on the field. But with Xavier McKinney, you know, it's interesting. I remember in last year's uh, draft, a lot of people were talking Isaiah Simmons and, you know, all the things he could do. And, you know, the Giants have to draft this guy because he can really be, you know, a, a Swiss Army knife. Well, Xavier McKinney, I think, is a similar type player with more upside, more skills. Xavier McKinney, you know, you can play him, obviously, as a strong safety. You could drop him down into that pseudo linebacker role. He can do some coverage. I mean, he can do a lot of things. And I've said this before. I'll say it again. What I like about the addition of Xavier McKinney is it gives the Giants three solid safeties. And they haven't had that since 2011. Antrell Roll, Deion Grant, and Kenny Phillips. And when they had the three safety set, I remember just sitting there and just being absolutely amazed at all the the creativity the Giants were able to put together in, you know, how they deployed that safety set. Now, with McKinney specifically, it was a limited sample size, and they gave him a lot of roles to fill. And I thought he handled it pretty well for the most part. I liked his instincts, especially when he would sniff out screens and, and, you know, running plays and whatnot. He was really good at that. I thought, I thought that was really, you know, it showed his classroom savviness and the work he put in the classroom to be able to do all that. I thought he made proper reads. Um, he also was patient, you know, sometimes with young players, they tend to be, um, a little anxious. So they, they won't be as patient in letting things develop. They'll just run straight ahead without any kind of a, uh, a plan. And that's what ends up happening is they run themselves out of the play. And I didn't see that with McKinney, you know, in the small sample size. Now, I do think once he gets that full year under his belt in working with, you know, Jabril Peppers, Logan Ryan now is 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 in there. Um, interesting that Logan Ryan probably wouldn't have come to the Giants had Xavier McKinney not broken his foot. But uh, you know, you could. That's neither here nor there. But anyway, to see that, and then you know, you throw in Julian Love, and I just think the Giants' safety position 
is one of the strongest, if not the strongest on this team. And in the past, you know, I would say that was the defensive line. Now I think the defensive line has fallen to number two in terms of which position group is the strongest or the strength of the team. So I think, you know, now that Xavier McKinney, as with any of the rookies, really, once they have a a full uh, offseason under their belt, and, you know, this offseason has been a little bit closer to what the pre-pandemic offseason has looked like. So that's definitely going to help. But once they get that, um, you're going to see a, a, a big jump, I think, from Xavier McKinney. So, yeah, I can definitely see him as a candidate who – will make a significant jump in in this coming season. Now, uh, the real JDJ also mentioned Kenny Galladay as a, as a player for a breakout season. I don't know that I would count him in this because he's already kind of had a breakout. I believe he's had a Pro Bowl year. So if a guy's had a Pro Bowl year, I don't know that I would necessarily count him as a as a breakout candidate. I see where you're kind of going with this, but, you know, I I would go with somebody who's maybe an up and comer who hasn't quite made it to that, you know, that upper tier type of level um, because he's just starting out or, you know, whatever the case may be where where he hasn't developed. So I'm going to punt on on Kenny Galladay. Sorry, um, I don't consider that to be a, a breakout candidate. All right, folks, I got another question for you, a traditional uh, Twitter Tuesday question from Peter B., who wants to know, what is up with Sam Beal? Peter, I wish I knew. (laughs) Um, Sam Beal, as far as I know, is planning to play this year. But, you know, I I, got to admit, this is is a head-scratcher for me because – this is a guy who has played, I believe, I want to say six or eight games in three years. I was kind of surprised that Beal wasn't at the OTAs. Now, I know um, a group of defensive backs are down in Florida training. You know, Logan Ryan organized the training session. Um, but, you know, I, I'm not going to hold it against Beal for, for opting out. In COVID, I, I get it. If people legitimately had concerns about the virus and being exposed to it, I, I'm I'm never going to hold that against somebody. With that said, I think it's very telling that the Giants have kind of moved on from Sam Beal. And by that, I mean, at one point, I think they wanted Sam Beal or they were hoping for Sam Beal and DeAndre Baker to be their starting cornerbacks. Would have given them two young, talented cornerbacks. And of course, we all know what happened with DeAndre Baker. Um, Sam Beal, like I said, has had trouble staying healthy, um, which is a, a shame because he was a very highly touted uh, draft pick when he entered the supplemental draft back in uh, 2018. So I just think that, you know, the Giants have moved on from him without really moving on. And by that, I mean, they signed James Bradbury. They've signed Adore Jackson. You know, they, they drafted Aaron Robinson, who's going to challenge for the slot. They added Rodarius Williams. They have, you know, Julian Love, who can play cornerback as well. Logan Ryan can play cornerback. Um, they, they traded for Isaac Yadam, who accepted a pay cut. I don't know where Sam Beal is going to fit in. 
if I'm being honest with you. I, I really don't see where he's going to fit in. I think it's going to take a lot of injuries for him to make it because at this point, if you're the coaching staff, and I know the OTAs are voluntary, but I don't know, maybe it's just me. If I were in Sam Beal's shoes, I would have gotten my butt up to East Rutherford to train. Just me. Now, maybe he's been in, I don't know, but you know, it, it was surprising when he was not among the players there in East Rutherford when the OTA was open to the media. And, you know, I, I so I just don't know what's going through this guy's mind. I mean, I, I would be stunned if he's on the 53-man roster. Um, it's going to take a lot of injuries, I think, for that to happen. And it's a shame because the kid coming out of college, he was pretty talented. He was a guy that at one point, I remember Dave Gettleman saying that they upgraded him from like a third round grade to a second round grade if he had been coming out in the 2019 draft. And sadly, he has bust written all over him. So we'll see what, the, what you know, he brings to training camp this summer, but I don't feel very optimistic about Sam Beal making this roster, I think he's going to probably be one of those players who maybe will benefit from getting a fresh start elsewhere. That is, if he stays healthy and if he, you know, if his heart is really into it. So that's my take. I don't know what else to tell you about that. He's a mystery to me, just like uh, he is to you. All right, Giant fans. And uh, speaking of bets, make sure you check out our friends over at Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Head on over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign up bonuses, and contest information. Use our special code Locked On to sign up for an account and receive your fifty percent welcome bonus on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. That's code Locked On at Bet Online, your sportsbook experts. All right, Giant fans, we are doing a new format, Twitter Tuesday, in which I ask the question. And you guys and gals, give me your responses. And again, we are continuing to to weave in specific questions that you have um, that you've submitted to me. And if you want to get a question in for Twitter Tuesday, and we're going to try and do Twitter Tuesday now on a weekly basis. So if you want to get a question into me, you can send it to Locked on Giants podcast at gmail.com. That's probably the best way to do it. This way I know it's for the podcast and I don't accidentally put it on Giants country just in the event that, you know, you're one of those people who don't read Giants country, but um, hopefully you are. So a lot of good stuff over there that I've been working on. Anyway, all right, so let's get back to who the listeners think is going to be the big breakout player of 2021 for the New York Giants. And um, Black Banjo Tony gave me two names, one of which, again, I'm going to toss this one out because I don't think you can call him a breakout player. And that's Saquon Barkley. You know, Saquon has been to a Pro Bowl, pretty good player. You know, he's he's more of a comeback player of the year type of candidate, I think, than a breakout player. But I will talk about Daniel Jones, who I've been doing a lot of um, writing about Daniel Jones and what he has to do. Uh, for those of you who missed the show yesterday, I had Tony Rassiopi, who is a, uh, a quarterback's coach and trainer, works for the Test Football Academy in Martinsville, 
Tony also is a volunteer counselor, works with the Manning Passing Academy, so really knows quarterbacks as well as, you know, anybody out there. And Tony, you know, if you haven't heard that show, check it out. It was on yesterday. We went through a whole bunch of things on Daniel Jones, but let's let's talk a little bit more about Daniel because no question that year three is a big year. This is a make or break year for Daniel Jones, a guy who the Giants, if if I had to put a percentage on this, and I I absolutely hate putting percentages on on yes or no questions, but I would say the Giants are probably 90% certain that Daniel Jones is their future franchise quarterback. That said, Daniel Jones, I think the big difference between where he is now and where he needs to be in order to be the breakout player that we hope we are all hoping that he can be is the first two seasons, Daniel was pretty much a game manager. It was go out there, hand the ball off, throw the ball as you need to, you know, score if you can, just, you know, do what you can not to lose the game. Well, unfortunately, Daniel Jones, I think, hasn't won very many games as a starting quarterback, but that's not all on him. I want to make that clear. It's not all on him. Last year, you know, he was, he didn't have Eli Manning anymore, which I think was a factor in his rookie year, you know, because it was always that shadow and, and looking over your shoulder and seeing Eli Manning. But I think last year, you know, learning a new offensive system and having to do so without a spring, without really a, a preseason, that was tough. And then you throw in the fact that, you know, Daniel lost Saquon Barkley, his offensive line was inconsistent. His receivers really didn't give him much help. You know, he lost Sterling Shepard for a little bit. Evan Ingram was inconsistent. There were just so many things that went against Daniel Jones last year. And I just think he was pretty much in survival mode last year. So it was just go out there, do what you can to make plays, survive and live to see next week. Well, the step forward that I think Daniel Jones is going to have to take this year in year three and this is actually kind of in response to one of the questions I've got. Um, so I'm going to kill two birds with one stone here. And that question is, is what kind of statistics does Daniel need to have in order for it to be, you know, to convince management that he is the guy? I don't think you can look at stats in this instance. I think the thing you need to look at is, can Daniel get you over the finish line? He has two come from behind victories in his career, both of which came as a rookie in 2019. But how many times last year did you sit and watch a game and say to yourself, come on, Daniel, one more, you know, first down pass, one more uh, play, one more touchdown, and we can win this game. Probably were a few instances where the Giants, if they, if the offense had maybe you know, been loaded on Daniel's shoulders and he had been able to carry them over the finish line, maybe the results of those games would have been different. And I think when you're talking about the growth of Daniel Jones, that's where you really have to, you know, focus in on. Don't worry about the stats. I mean, you know, obviously it would be nice if he could throw 30 or more touchdowns to maybe, you know, single digit interceptions. It would be super if he didn't have, you know, lost fumbles. 
you know, especially if he, he if he goes into the double digits, you know, you don't want to see any lost fumbles. So to a degree, I can I can get that with stats, but you know, with passing yardage, passing completion, you know, that that's all secondary, I think. I think where they want to really see Daniel take that next step is being able to load the team on his shoulders take them over the finish line, especially in those close games. You know, you're not going to have games, I think, where you're going to see a lot of blowout opportunities. So to that end, you have to be able to keep it competitive. You need to be able to stay in the race. And there were just times last year, just watching the offense and watching Daniel Jones, where he didn't quite do that. You, You know, he would do something stupid. And at the worst possible time, no less, that just basically sabotaged the game. So, you know, Ernie Accorsi, the general manager uh, back in the early 2000s and whatnot, he used to always say that he knew that Eli Manning was going to be his guy because Eli was the type of quarterback who can load a team up on his shoulders and take them over the finish line. And that is the one of the marks of a true franchise quarterback. Daniel Jones hasn't shown that yet. And I think if he can show that, that will go a long way towards answering that remaining 10% that I'm estimating that the Giants are maybe unsure about Daniel Jones. So that's something I could definitely see them looking at and, and trying to maybe get the best out of him. All right, folks, one more player that um, was proposed to me. This one is from at uh Capo640, K-A-P-O-640. And he actually proposed Aziz Ojulari, who is the second round draft pick this year. I'd be kind of reluctant to go with a rookie because, you know, you don't really have an NFL foundation or a baseline to compare it against. I mean, we could maybe look at his college tape and use that as a comparison, but I don't know that that's fair. I would say, you know, for, for this type of, you know, question, I would go with second, third, you know, fourth year players and up, you know, like an Evan Ingram. That's a guy that I'd like to see have a base, you know, have a breakout season, to be honest with you. Um, so, you know, Ojulari, he's a guy I think they have high expectations for. I know I do. I think I could see this kid potentially being a, uh, a starter. Um, if they can get about six sacks out of him, I would be thrilled. I think that would be a, a really good starting point for him, but he needs to establish that, that, uh, baseline in the NFL. Cause what they did in college, you know, that's what got them there. What's going to keep them the here moving forward? That's the question that really needs to be answered. I mentioned Evan Ingram and I'll talk about him real quick because he's a guy who has frustrated a lot of people myself included, because I see the talent, I see the ability, and I just don't feel like the production is there. And again, not all of that is on Evan Ingram. You know, you look at how he's been deployed in, in the offenses in the past, and you, you, you know, you, you sit there and you say, what are you doing? I mean, Evan Ingram's strength is to run up the seam, to run straight ahead, not run these comeback routes that he was asked to execute on a number of occasions last year, a little too often for my taste, I might add. Now, the other thing with Ingram were the drops. 
he had what what I've been calling a case of the yips where it just seemed like the concentration would cut out. It, it, it's kind of like, you know, an appliance that's plugged in and is about to short out. It, it would be like at the worst possible times, he would have a drop. And that drove me crazy because Evan Ingram, to me, is a lot better than what we saw. I've seen this kid play better. We all have, actually. And I've seen him practice better. But when I see things like, you know, not stretching out to catch a ball, little things like that frustrate me. And and it made me, it made me wonder, maybe coming off of the injuries, was Ingram maybe having that in the back of his mind that he was going to get whacked again? You know, I don't know. He he wouldn't admit it even if he was, and maybe it's not a fair question to ask, but I wondered about that. Um, but some other things about Ingram that just, you know, I really hope develop in his game because I didn't see it as much last year, and it was really, really frustrating. For For one, I don't know that he plays with instinct or awareness. Um, how does he, you know... He doesn't shield the ball. It's just it just seems like there's no plan there in his game. His route running is not the greatest. He's not really as physical. There's no adjustments in his in his, you know, pass receiving game. I just you know, these are all little things that I just wonder about. And, and you know, the Giants, I found it interesting that they made a change on the at the tight end coach. They moved Freddie Kitchens to a senior offensive assistant role and they had Derek Dooley who now who is going to t- to be the tight ends coach. I'm curious to see what they are able to get out of him because Evan Ingram, he's had several coaches now. He's been in several systems. They got to eventually find the right one for him. I mean, w- wouldn't you think? I would hope so. If not, I just don't see a future for Evan Ingram here. And I know, you know, there there are some of you who have written to me in the past and said, when are they going to trade this bum? I don't think they're going to trade him just yet. I think let's see what happens with him, you know, if he's producing and if he's not producing. And then you maybe you look to move him if you can, you know, you salvage the half of that six, little over six million that he's going to count against the salary cap by moving him at the trade deadline if he doesn't produce and if, you know, a team wants to take him off your hands. But, you know, there's just too much talent to give up on. So I just think, you know, the Giants are going to give him one more shot. And I have no problem with that. You know, I, I know he's been a frustrating player, but again, you you just, the talent is just there. And that's what keeps you coming back for more. So let's see what he does with it. All right, Giant fans, reminder, tomorrow's program, we are going to have Brian Walker of the DB Academy. He's going to come on and I'm trying to book guests that, you know, have worked with the different position units because I want to kind of get their their feel, their expertise and their take on where these guys are, you know, what they saw last year, what they need to work on and so on and so forth. So I'm really excited about that. And uh, also, make sure you're checking out Locked On Today, uh, the Locked On Today podcast, which uh, covers all the major sports news in under 20 minutes. Peter Bukowski does a great job. And that podcast is available wherever you find your podcasts. So Giant fans, make sure you tune in again tomorrow. Again, Brian Walker of the DB Academy is the scheduled guest. Until then, folks, have a great one.